Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Live from the Leyline. I'm your host, Cameron Porter, and with me is always my boy, Avery. How you doing, Avery? I think I'm the other way. You point the other way, on my screen at least. Are you on the right? It's on the right for me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing oh, yeah. good. I'm excited today. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got something special for you. Today's our 33rd episode, and it's only right that we do a Freemason theme. And so without further ado, I've got a very good friend of mine, Kevin Atchison here with us. Kevin, how you doing, my friend? Good, guys. Thanks for having me on the on the show for the 33rd episode. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. We're honored. We're honored to have you. Exciting. So, Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is uh, Kevin Atchison. Um, I live in Rifle, Colorado. Nice. I'm I'm a businessman. Um, yeah. However, I'm I'm kind of modifying my title as I go. Uh, I changed it to businessman because I hate the term entrepreneur. I think it's over yeah. and is uh, misrepre- misrepresented. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I do as an occupation. I'm a family man. I've got two kids. I got another little one on the way. That's um, so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. First had first kid when I was uh, 16. She was born. Um, and uh, she's 16 now. So another play wow. with numbers there. Yeah. And got my son three um and uh beautiful wife beautiful house um and that i guess that's kind of sums up who i am as a person you right. know free lover free thinker that's that's what you got i love, love it. it love that i love it a lot so did you always know you were a, a businessman is that something you had always aspired to be yeah man i um <laughs> i always joke you know i learned how to uh do sales and and business in high school um doing extracurricular high school activities. I think a lot of individuals do, you know, mm-hmm. uh, found a way to turn a, a dime into a dollar. And, um, you know, obviously as I grew and my family grew, I had to find more, uh, legal ethical <laughs> to continue that same hustle. I and, love it. Um, but, you know, even when I was a kid, I, I always came up with these schemes. It's kind of an embarrassing story, but a friend of mine, uh, and I needed, you know, we, we didn't come from the wealthiest families, but we lived in one of the wealthiest uh, areas in Colorado. So it was in, uh, we lived in a 600 square foot apartment in Aspen, Colorado. Wow. And um, my friend and I were trying to come up with an idea of like, you know, how do we make some money? And we're like, let's just go ask people for it. So we yeah. walked around the streets and we just started asking people for money and they started giving it to us. <laughs> and you know granted we're so we're in like um you know we're in the fifth or sixth grade i'm not sure what that translates to in age exactly but we were pretty young and uh anyway it turned out that we found out people were willing to give money and this is the same time that glenwood springs was on fire and we kind of had this moral conflict of we're like okay so we're actually like this is working and we kind of stumbled upon this unethically what do we do with it now and um you know we're like maybe we should donate this money to the fire department so we got put in the paper and everything we and we ended up collecting all this money and we were able to donate it to uh you know to the fire department in uh, glenwood springs and they were able to help that family but it was funny because you know it came about because we wanted to do the hustle and it just kind of wrapped back around to like oh well we could help people with that too and so i've always been coming up with these half-wit ideas of um 
how to turn a, a dime into a dollar. And uh, over the years, I've gotten I've gotten a lot better at it and um, honed in my skills on it for sure. That's awesome. that's just good karma right there. Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't start out that way. That's the moral <laughs> of the story, right? Like I started out doing something really shady, but I think that I have a, you know, I have a belief that that we got to do things good karmatically, and that's kind of what turned it into something more, maybe. Yep, one hundred percent. That's awesome, man. And sounds like you guys are in the right spot too. I, I hear from a lot of very successful people. If you want money, go where the money is. And yeah. Being in Aspen, that's kind of where the money trickles from. You know, that's the the top of the bucket and it trickles through the valley that way. It, it's um it's insane the amount of money that we see come out of that area. We do a lot of pre- private catering uh mm-hmm. through a through a restaurant I own um for the rifle airport. And they're uh, they're fueled by planes that are diverted from the Aspen Airport, and wow. um, <clears throat> some of the planes that come through this area. <clears throat> I mean, to think about a private jet, we did a little bit of research once, and so I think the um, I think it's ten thousand dollars per flight hour uh, for someone to rent a private jet plane, right? So yeah, put that into context. You know, if you had a flight, uh, I think what is it, three four hours to fly from New York to Colorado, let's mm-hmm. say it, you know, you're looking between a 30 and $40,000 bill just for your flight. I mean, and I don't know what you guys pay for plane tickets, but like, I don't pay 40 G's. You know no, what I mean? No, like, I shop, I shop the deals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wait for that, that bargain buy, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Right. I don't think, and I've, I'm talking out of my ass right now. Cause I think my dad's bought all my plane tickets so far, but I think it's only ever like, 250 max maybe right. 300 is pushing the limit Wait, and you gotta country. drive four hours well anyway where right. i'm from you gotta drive four hours to get yeah. actually get on the plane but it, you know it trickles uh into everything in that area too right because if you're looking at um you know there's rentals i'm a i'm a real estate broker as well and uh so i have access to see what people are charging for rentals in aspen and guys there are there are places in aspen colorado that rent for twenty thirty thousand dollars per night per night wow. right so we're we're talking about people's salaries you know yeah. in an entire annual salary that someone's one spending night. on one night and um you know i for a long time growing up i had a lot of disgust in that area right with people who could do that much you know um and then uh, as i've grown mentally and you know everything else i kind of think about you know I probably wouldn't spend $30,000 per night on, you know, on something, but what, what do I spend $20 on now that other people would view and be like, wow, you would spend $20 on that, you know? Right. Right. And uh, the context of it, I feel is someone similar, you know, if you're making, I don't know, a billion dollars a year is $30,000. That's going to be the same as your $200 plane ticket. Right. Right. That's very walking around money for them. It's very true. I was and gonna so, say though, even if I had millions, I'm not spending that much money on one. You night. don't know that though. Like you yeah. might. What if you did? You know. That's true. Yeah. If I had some fuck you money, I might. Yeah, dude. I you might know, and fall a little hard. You have so much money that you could, you know, even you're like, well, I would help my friends. You know, like that's what I would. I would help my family. That's if I had if I had fuck you money, I'd help my family. Right. If you had so much money, you could you could spend the the thirty thousand dollars. And help you, you can spend $30,000 for them to stay with you, you know? Right. Yeah. 
And so it's just, I don't know. I think the, uh, the reality that we live in and uh, the wealthy elite kind of live in are two, I mean, honestly, they're just, I feel they're two different realities, you know? 100%. Yeah. The kind of freedom that you get when you have that kind of money where, because I don't, I don't know about you guys, but for sure money is like a limiting factor in a lot of things that you do lifestyle wise. And yeah. it doesn't seem like the rich elite have that kind of limiting factor. Right. It's more so like, hmm, what do I want to do? What do I want? And then they just go and get it. It's not like a question of, oh, can I afford it? Is that financially viable? Yeah. I'm I'm so I'm gonna I'm gonna counter I'm gonna counter come in counter on your point here real quick, Cameron. Mm -hmm. All right, because I'm by no means the wealthy elite. Like I said, there's no ways that I can find it. But um, you know, before I started any of this businessman stuff, I was a I was a, a farmer, right? I worked for uh a little farm called Osage Gardens, and we harvested uh, herbs, basil, basil yeah. mainly. Love Osage. Um, it's a good spot. Yeah, dude. It's like it was like uh, I think I made like twenty five thousand dollars a year. Um, my wife worked at the bank. You know, my daughter was six, seven, eight at the time. Uh, like real, real humble. You know, household, everything like that. Fast forward, you know, it's been another eight years, 10 years. I've really worked on myself professionally and grown significantly um, as far as, you know, what, what I take home. I can promise you I was a hundred times happier as a farmer making less money per year than the headaches that I deal with now. Like there's definitely some advantages to it. Like there's definitely, like you said, the money isn't so much a factor anymore. You know, mm -hmm. I feel very secure financially. Um but you know, the amount of work that I have to put in to maintain that, that money machine takes away from the things I want to do, the time I spend with my family, you know, like, um, I have to actually quite literally schedule out every hour of my day to ensure that, um, you know, everything business-wise is getting taken care of and I'm not neglecting my, you know, my family, my other obligations. Right. So there's some people with that, that I see those people that, you know, money isn't a factor for them, but are they happier? And I, I think some of them maybe, but I think a lot of them are, are stuck in that same, uh, what is it? Drudgery. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Kind of shit, you know? There's obviously lots, you hear it all the time. So many people who are broke are way happier than multimillionaires. However, I do also believe that it would probably be better to cry in a Ferrari than under a bridge. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally, dude. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with you 1,000%. What's that? There's that that quote in Wolf of Wall Street. He's like, at least when I deal with my problems, it's in a $2,000 suit. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it the is. Back like, of a limo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah. okay, I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's a great movie. Such no. a bad example. A terrible role model, but boy, was that the coolest movie ever? Ah, uh, it's such a good movie. One of the I don't best. Know, man. It's. I think so much of it is. Um, it's just relative to the life that you're living and the, you know, kind of whatever lifestyle you're making for yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. Speaking and I, of real estate, sorry, Cam. Go ahead. I just went into contract or under contract on a house in Montrose. Man, oh, cool. those interest rates hurt. Man, they hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Not fun. I mean, yeah. Awesome. If, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how personal you want to get. Um, but what like what are you looking at with that? So our house is gonna be we're gonna pay about four ninety-five for it. And okay. with an FHA 
and my dad, thank God, helping me with the down payment, you're still looking at a little over 20 grand to close and close to 3000 mortgage a month. $3,000 a month. Close to it. A little bit in like a matter of a couple hundred dollars would make it more. You know, it's it's crazy. Yeah. No, I mean, the, yeah, the financial world when it comes to real estate right now is really tough. And I don't mean that so much in the sense that people aren't buying houses, but I mean, like a monthly payment, like I, um, I, I mean, just being a hundred percent Frank, like I make very decent money and there's no way in hell I would take on a, a $3,000 a month payment. Right. I, yeah. I just, yeah. uh, it wouldn't fit my, my financial structure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. insane. But that's that's what people are looking at right now to to purchase houses. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you looked at the rental market too. And yeah, yeah. I don't know Montrose, but I can almost guarantee that it's non-existent, right? Yeah, it's it's like 98% homeowners there or something crazy like that. Yeah. Wow. So like speaking of business, this is the perfect example um of of like businesses. So if you're looking to start a business or have a business or whatever else. Uh, the key thing that you can do is have these conversations and say, you know, Avery, what do you need? Well, dude, I need a house. I'm like, okay, are you going to rent somewhere? No, there's nowhere to rent. All right. Do you want to buy? I'm like, well, I kind of have to, there's nowhere to rent. And then bam, just like, that's, I think that's a uh, business building in a nutshell right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so speaking of which, I mean, like, like I said, I kind of hate using the word businessman. So I, I came up with this new pitch. Tell me what you guys think of it. Okay. And so now I tell people I, I'm not an entrepreneur. I hate that word. I don't want to tell people I'm a businessman because they think I'm a gangster and I'm definitely <laughs> much nerdier than a gangster. You're not part of the mob. <laughs> <laughs> not me, dude. Freemason. <laughs> yes. Mob, yeah. not so much. Right. <laughs> um, but all right. So here's my new pitch to people. I'm Kevin Ashton. I solve problems. Okay. Hey, That's that it. That's it, dude. Right? Right? You got a problem? Yo, I'll solve it. I love it. You sound like <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, and you know what? It's funny because that ties right back into being a businessman because that sounds way more valuable than just saying you're a businessman. Right. You know what I mean? In your pitch, oh, hell like, yeah, dude. it ties well, right back into it. I'm a problem solver. <laughs> right. Right. I mean... <laughs> So I met with uh, I met with a new bookkeeper uh, just a couple of days ago because I need I need some help with my books, man. I do my bookkeeping right now, and uh, it's just another piece of my business. I won't get into that, but you know, I pitched it to this bookkeeper of um, you know, his his charges were three hundred dollars a month, right? And my QuickBooks subscription right now is one hundred seventy eight dollars, and what he was proposing is that I keep a hundred seventy eight dollars subscription and then pay him three hundred dollars to do the books. You guys following me? Yeah. So you're only paying another what 122 extra to have somebody else do the whole work for you. Well, no, because I had to maintain it, right? So the total would be $478 oh, on top for of him. It. And I'm looking at him like 478 bucks. I could just keep my own and then not pay him the $300. I can remain doing what I'm doing, but I need more time. Time's way more valuable than 100%. money to me, right? And so I'm thinking about it and I was like, well, do you have a system? Do you have a software that you could take on for me? And he's like, no, I don't. And so the deal I pitched to him was, is go find yourself a software where you could take my QuickBooks subscription away. And then you charge me 300 bucks. And in turn, I will pay 75% of whatever software you're purchasing is. And not only could you use me for the software, but any other client you have now, 
you can offer them that same software. Oh, right. There you go. So this is the Problem deal solver. That I strike up with the bookkeeper, right? Because now my cost just went down 178 bucks a month. My time just went up because he's taken on my bookkeeping. And sure, I have to carry a greater charge, but what's in it for him? He now has a service he can provide for everybody else. And that's what I mean is you have a problem. I just come in, I solve it, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's that hustle I was talking about. I just, I, I get off on it, dude. I love finding these puzzles, man. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Inspiring. That's very cool. That's like some John Wick shit. It's like, all right, call the problem solver. Not, not do that. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, you guys have role models. Who's your, who's your role model? Um, Joe Rogan is one of my role models. Okay. Yeah. We're, I like him. For sure. Yeah. Avery, what about you, buddy? Um, shoot. It could be fictional, man. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, obviously, I have to say my dad's a big one, of course. Wildly successful, good guy. Um, one of my role models is actually a streamer. His name okay. is Nick Kolchev. He's uh, I just kind of aspire to be like him, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Let me write that shit down. I don't know him. I gotta look him up. Yeah, he's a uh, he's just a streamer. He plays video games, but he's not your typical um, not your typical guy that you might think of when you think of that. He's very much a advocate for health. He agrees with me politically. Um, he's a family man and I just, I don't know something about when I watch him, I just relate on a deeper level, you know, right. Kind of resonate with him. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was, uh, is Winston Wolf. Yeah. Um, fiction. Oh yeah. I'm not familiar you know? with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like he, uh, you know, he's calling the wolf. He comes in, they call him up, shows up jewels and, uh, Vincent have a dead body in the garage. Listen here, fellows. If you do exactly what I say, when I say it, we're going to get out of this mess. I right? love it. <laughs> and I was like, damn, dude, that guy's got it figured out. I want to be like him. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's awesome. I love that. It's important to have people that you can see how they operate in situations and, and how they carry themselves and live their life and then like kind of like frame how you would live your life around that. Cause they're basically giving you like the, the cheat codes They're like, all right, here, here's what I do. And here's how I'm mm -hmm. so successful. And yeah. you know, it's not, it's not like a one size fits all for everybody, but if you do most of the things that they do in their life and you, it's all about time management is what I've found, especially with Joe Rogan, who I listened to, you're talking about scheduling out your day. I swear that dude schedules out every 15 minutes. Like he's That's what I have, so yeah. on point and he my does dad it all. Does. He wakes up, works out, family time, breakfast. He puts in time at the club that he owns. He also does stand-up, does like two sets a night, like, and does his podcast, and finds time to shoot his bow because he likes shooting bows. Like, that's just it's so crazy. inspiring. And he's I, found a way to turn his hobbies into his lifestyle. Yeah. My dad has his outlook shared with me, so I can always keep tabs on him and stuff. And it's just like that, dude. It's like 10 minutes for reading. Yeah. Uh, exercise 15 minutes and then obviously invoice, blah, 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 blah. Like every little thing throughout his day is segmented. Wow. It's insane. That's awesome. So like, what do you guys find is your biggest time killer then? Wasting time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like schedule. right. That's, that's everyone's time killer. But like, what are you wasting time on? Oh, probably doom scrolling is one of the biggest ones. Okay. 
doom scrolling yeah. or like not waking up at a proper time. I'll like try and squeeze off free time at the end of the day and end up staying up way too late. Mm-hmm. And then you got to sleep in to get your proper hours. And then yep. you're already cutting into your day. Um, that's mm-hmm. probably my biggest struggle is just staying up too late. And then yeah. I'm like, well, how would I get up at six in the morning? It's already one. Like I, I need to sleep a little bit longer than that. I can't run on five hours. Says who, man? I run on five hours all the time. <laughs> See, that's what Elon Musk says. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but that's kind of what um what Joe Rogan really stresses too is the discipline in your day too, right? Yes. And so in turn with everyone I've I've studied who's successful, they have you know they schedule their time out, but they're very uh strict and stern upon their discipline of what they're they're doing too. Avery, I'm sure your dad is the same way, right? Yeah. And um, I uh like so I run out of time often and i'm sure joe rogan does too but like my kind of theory is like if i've scheduled every 15 minutes out and i wake up late or, or i stay up late or whatever it is that whatever that 15 minutes was i put it in there because it was important and i can't waver yeah. i can't waver on it because it became an inconvenience in my uh in my day you know like if i have practice piano for 30 minutes like well it looks like i'm sacrifice and sleep or you know i'm skipping my lunch or whatever i have to do to make sure that i get that 30 minutes in because um i view those schedules those time time blocks i i view them as higher uh higher than myself you know like my future my future self is going to benefit of the sacrifices my current self makes right right which is such a like enlightened and ascended way to think you know just like being rigorous and also knowing that this is going to benefit me later on. It's like working out. It's like working yeah. out sucks. Being sore yeah. sucks. But then you look in the mirror and you're like, oh shit, traps are getting big. You know, yeah, it's like... feeling fresh. Sure. Yes. Yeah. My yeah. biggest time waster is the fact that I'm really good at getting up and getting what I said I'm going to do done. And then I do it so fast that I just feel accomplished. So then instead <laughs> of utilizing all my time, I feel like I'm good for the day. So then I'll go and sit down and play video games for six hours. Right. And I've definitely tried to cut back on that. You know, I recognized it, but that's my thing is I don't have a problem doing stuff. I just, I get it done and then I feel accomplished. I have all this free time to maybe better myself. Sorry. Dogs are barking. <laughs> um, and then I just play video games, you know? Yeah. That's my thing. Yeah. I'm I mean, considering throwing the PlayStation away. That thing is like, the time is, suck. Is your is your video games fulfilling to you though? Uh yeah, it depends on uh what game or like the circumstances. Like I don't just play casually. Uh-huh. I have a group of friends and we really take it serious on certain games and stuff, but it gets to a point where it's not fulfilling, that's for sure. Yeah. Really? It's yeah. like a surface amount of fulfilling. It's not right, like right. it doesn't have any sustenance to it. Yeah. I mean, I think that video games is a positive. I, I mean, I really don't play a lot of video games, but, you know, I think that if that is your hobby, if that's what you do, then I, I think when we have this conversation, we get so sucked into the, we have to like better ourselves all the time that I could fill up my whole day with things that are going to make me a better businessman or father figure, whatever it is. Right. But I think that when we do that, we for a lot of times we forget to add in all the shit that makes us uh, feel fulfilled within ourselves, you know? So like Avery, for you, that might be, you know, playing video games. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with working in, you know, 
an hour, two hours, even three hours a day of playing video games. Yeah. Getting all your other shit done. If that's what fulfills you, man, like you're with your boys online. Like what's right. wrong with that, dude? I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And yeah. uh, I think a lot of people talk down on it because that's not one of those, like you're, you know, they're like, you're not going to the gym or you're not doing like whatever they think that you're supposed to be doing. Fuck them though. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that's I do that's like out. their opinion. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's something to be said about having all the boys online, a full party and you guys are all shooting the shit, playing games and also being tactical, like really like putting your minds together to, to solve a problem, you know? Yeah. And yeah, there's something to that. Very fulfilling. I mean, would it be more fulfilling if you were sitting down with your boys and you were having a chess tournament? No, it'd right. be way more boring. Like, it would be the same thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I promise you that uh, society-wise, if you and your boys were sitting down to play chess, they'd be like, wow, how intellectual. Right. <laughs> but like what you guys are doing is the same shit, you yeah. know? Yeah. And um, it's just like it's everyone else's perception of of what you should be doing. And I just, I don't think you should listen to that, man. If video yeah. games is what makes your heart happy, play video games soon. Just yeah. don't forget about all the other shit you got to do. Right, right, right. yeah. <laughs> and man, as long as I've known Avery, this dude's been very good at video games. I remember you and the boys back in the day would go to like tournaments and shit. Yeah, yeah. You'd like travel to Denver and go play yeah, in tournaments. Those, huh? like yeah, yeah. Was, they were getting competitive with it. No, it's cool, man. So if it cool. wasn't so incredibly hard i mean i guess i probably have the means to really do it if i put my mind to it but it's so incredibly hard to build an audience and get paid to play video games because that's the only real way to do it unless you're a professional right um and you get paid by a, an organization but the number one way to make money is to stream and i mean you're talking about streaming eight hours a day for five years before you see a dollar you right. know, you got to have the means to do it and marketing yourself properly. Yeah. Yeah. Like having good social media campaigns where you're actually driving traffic to your stream. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of things that go into it and I'm shit. We're running into the same thing with the podcast. Like it's, it's popping a little bit. We get downloads, but it's such a slow build. You know, we've yeah. been doing it for, I think like close to a year now. Yeah. And it's grown, but it's a slow growth and I feel like it's going to be a slow growth for quite a while until we really start seeing, you know, what we had projected out of it, you know, and I'm not expecting it to be like we snap our fingers and things are popping. Right. But, uh, no, yeah, absolutely. 33 episodes. You think about it. That's 33 hours. Some mm -hmm. of them are two hours long. Yeah. It's a decent grind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me, I mean, let me, as a business person, let me pitch this out out yeah. to you guys you know i think that there's a couple different ways to look at it i think you guys are on the right track with your podcast because you know i think that biggest the biggest thing that people run into is one they try and do something that they love and make profit off of it and i think that's the wrong direction you right. know um because if you love something you do it because you love it regardless of whether you're making money at it or not it's something 100%. that says your soul it might be playing video games and like you said, if you can find a way, if you stumble into making money playing video games, hell yeah, but you're not going to stop playing video games, right? Right, right. And then, um, you know, and then there's pieces of uh, making money it's in itself. And I run into this all the time too, you know, um, a lot of kids like want to be a, t a tattoo artist, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because they want to draw all day. And I like that. But um, I, I had that point of view when I was 15, 16, I tried tattooing for a little while and I found out that 
I love to draw, like I love to create art, but I hate making money doing it. You know what I mean? And that's right. the confusion that people, I think a lot of people get into when they start a business is, you know, they're like, I love baking. I'm going to open a bakery. And then you bake every fucking day for eight right. hours a day. And now you hate baking. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And uh, at the end of the day, though, you could have kept your nine to five job and just made pies for your family on the weekend, man. You know? Right. And um, I think to keep those two lines separate is sometimes a blessing, you know? Like, let your hobbies, let what fulfills your soul be um, be your escape from all the other bullshit that you have to do, you know? I like that. Just just a thought into it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I oh, like yeah. that a lot. And I, yeah, I was, I never thought when we were starting the podcast, I never assumed it was going to be like, we're making a bunch of money and like that's no. paying my bills and shit. I think the ultimate goal with the podcast is just to make it self-sufficient. I want right. to like not have to put money into it anymore, sure. you know? And, sure. and I think that's the only goal that I would ever want with it is for it to sustain itself and me to just get to hop on and talk to people. Yeah. You know what, Cam? I think we, ever since the beginning, we did a good job with that because there was a point where it was like we were trying to do every other day Mm -hmm. and we were both kind of stressed out about it, kind of texting each other a little bit. Yeah. And we both kind of came to the consensus, like, we're just doing this for fun. Mm -hmm. We don't want to make it work. I don't want to make it a, yeah. 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 Right. 100%. Right. Keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Kevin, you're very inspiring. The way you live your life and Thank you. the, your beautiful family. I love going into. So Kevin is the boss of my mother. She works at Whistle Pig, and that's the company. Don't say it like that. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the boss of your mother. Yeah, you're the boss of my boss. <laughs> <laughs> your your boss happens to be employed by my company, right? Right. <laughs> yes, I that's what I, I don't like it say. said like that. <laughs> awesome. No, I got to say too, though, I mean, like for those of you who have been blessed with uh, meeting um, Cameron's mom, I don't know if we can say your name on here or not, but um, yeah, I don't have an issue with it. Yeah. I mean, uh, Sabrina is one of the few in souls that I feel are truly enlightened in this universe. I mean, um, she is, she's something else, dude. Mm-hmm. She is something else in the sense that she can take uh you know, she can have a conversation with someone and that person would, will genuinely, um, leave that conversation better. I mean, and it's, it's amazing what she, uh, what she's able to do just by wordsmithing with people. It's, it's pretty remarkable. And I mean, we're just, uh, we're eternally grateful for the time she's put in with our, our company. I tell her all the time. I'm like, I know there's going to be one day where you leave this company and I dread that fucking day. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, man, because it's it's gonna be rough for sure. I yeah, see where and, you get it then, Cameron. Oh yeah, dude. I had <laughs> I had proper training from a serious guru. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, you did. Very lucky. Cool. Um, yeah, she's amazing. And she always talks about that thing you're just talking about, about how she's gonna have to leave one day and it breaks her heart and she, and you make it clear to her that it's gonna break your heart as well. And that it's, it's just, just- it's so cool to be able to find a community like that and people that really appreciate the service that you can provide for them and just the, the energy that they bring to a place, you know, it's so important, especially in the kind of business that you run, which is it's, yeah, you make coffee and you make food, but it's also like a people pleasing service. Yeah. People want to come back and having somebody like my mom in there, she's like a magnet for those people. 
<laughs> it, it's great. But, you know, so I have a, I have a really firm belief because I worked with for a lot of terrible uh, employers. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have a, I never understood why people feel that they can treat employees poorly. Like I, I don't, like, I don't get it. Or, uh, you know, the workplace, you guys might've experienced this where you like, you have that one guy who like comes in and like yells at people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Have you guys ever worked with one of these people? Oh, dude, like, all my bosses. <laughs> I'm like, yell. like, what makes you guys like, these are like grown adults. Like, would you ever walk up to a stranger, like on the street, like minding their own bit? Maybe they're doing something stupid, but like you very rarely would walk up to a stranger and just start like going off on them. Right. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know, man. So we're, we really try and get away from that kind of piece in in the workplace, you know, yeah. um, being a small business, it's very hard to pay people livable wages, but we really work hard to try and, um, I'll say manipulate financial regulations to enhance our employees pay as much as possible. Yes. You know, obviously we have to work within the government's, uh, you know, kind of box, but there's definitely tricks that some of the wealthier individuals in this country leverage that, you know, we have the ability to leverage as well. Right. Um, and so, you know, just, but just creating a, a place that people actually want to come to work is so important for me because I've worked in so many places where it's just, dude, it's just miserable, you know? And, yeah. um, so being a, a boss of a boss, as you put it, like, I think that I have, you know, as an owner, I have an obligation to our employees to ensure that they're being fulfilled in their day-to-day -day lives. And in turn, they have an obligation to my customers to make sure my customers are being fulfilled in their day-to-day -day lives. Right. And I think it's that same, like, you know, if I can treat my people well, my people will treat my customers well. And 100%. that's- 100%. It's not a hard concept when you say it out loud, but like you said, how many bosses fucking yell at their employees? It just blows my mind, dude. The majority, I would say. Um, the majority, all of my bosses did. I think it's yeah. horrible. Yeah. I just can't stop thinking about the guy from the show Bar Rescue. He's in a lot of other stuff too. I can't think of his name, but so funny. If you guys haven't seen any of those clips on YouTube, he'll just send undercover people into bars that he's been hired to rescue. And it just reminds me because he'll walk in after his um, decoy has been treated poorly. And he'll say, everybody in here, this guy in the kitchen is fucking rubbing his balls on your pizza. <laughs> like he's nuts, bro. It's awesome. Oh, dude. Well, I think <laughs> that's why rescue is a great example. So I think um, I think the biggest problem that business owners have in running a business is they try and run run the business. So I'm sure you guys are familiar with uh, Robert Kiyos Kiyosaki, uh -huh. right? Yep. Uh, rich, rich dad, poor dad. Yep. Okay. Yes. And so he wrote a book uh, called Cashflow Quadrant, in which case he's talking about the different positions in which you can uh, be employed. There's a employee, you work for somebody self-employed, you work for yourself, but you're also the, you know, you do everything. You have owner operator, in which case you're the owner and you're also working in the business. And then you have business owner and investor. And the key is to try and stay in that business owner investor kind of piece. And the reason why um, I'll, I'll use it for an example is as a business owner, you carry, you carry debt and you carry financial liability. Like that's your, that's your job, right? Is to make sure your employees have a paycheck. And if anything goes wrong, it's your responsibility to come up with that cash to make sure that those employees are there. Right. 
Well, as an owner operator, you still have to carry that responsibility. But when your fridge comes out, like put yourself emotionally in that spot. Like you're carrying debt, you're carrying the weight of this business on your personal bank account. You walk in and you found out you just lost $2,000 worth of food and you got to buy a $6,000 fucking fridge. Like you're going to blow your top. And I don't care who it is. The person who shows up late for their shift, 10 minutes late that day, you're going to flip out on them because Mm -hmm. we're emotional creatures. Right. Right. And so I think a really key part is when you're an uh, owner investor opposed to an owner operator, you know, when my fridge goes out and I find out about it and it is, you know, a cost to me, I got to buy $2,000 worth of food, a $6,000 worth of fridge. That sucks for me, man. I'm not happy at all, but I'm also not working in the restaurant. So when that guy comes in two 10 minutes late, it's, it's my manager's job to, you know, to to, to deal with that situation. It's not my job, you know, and it creates that line and that barrier of, I have a job to make sure my employees receive a paycheck. My doors stay open. The lights stay on. It's my crew's job to make sure that the customers are satisfied, that, you know, the food orders are getting put in and that everyone's happy on kind of on that piece of things. And I think if more people looked at their businesses like that, I think we could really avoid a lot of bosses fucking yelling at their employees. Yeah. yeah. And to your point, a lot of the bosses that would yell are the ones that like, cause I've worked in a lot of kitchens and restaurants mm-hmm. and the owner's always cooking. Yeah. They're always like the head chef and they're always like kind of running the show in the kitchen as well you know, and making sure all the pieces are running smooth as well as taking on all the financial liability. And I think that's a great point that it might not even be you that's causing them all this stress, but that stress gets put onto you because you're there. Because you're there. Yep. Yeah. And they, people get this weird, like thought that they can have a rule over other people, which is just mind boggling to Mm -hmm. me. Um, I've seen it a lot where, you know, business owners think that they like own these people, you know, they're like, you're 10 minutes late today. Where were you? I'm like, are you my mother? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what? I was running late. Sorry. Like I was running late. I'm here now. Do you want me to work or not? You know? Yes. And exactly. um, I think there's a, you know, there's a reason that they have that rule, right? Because if somebody's showing up late consistently, your machine starts to not run the way that it should. Right. Um, however, I think there's another piece of it too, whereas like everyone has problems, you know, your kid was sick that morning, you know, it was snowing that day. I like, I don't know what it is. We're just humans, you know, and maybe, we all you, were, maybe you were running out the door and you realized your second morning poop was coming and you had to run it, back in, you know, maybe that's what it is, dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, your alarm didn't go off. You had to eat breakfast. Like, you know, um, as long as you're making a genuine effort every day, I think that that shines through. 100%. I've always thought, especially living in the Valley all my whole life, at least, um, like there's gotta be just like a, an unspoken agreement where like when it's heavy snow and you got to get from rifle to Glenwood, there's gotta be like a, you know, a like reason easement for it, right? there. Yeah. Like oh, that 100%. snow traffic, people crashing every day. There's gotta be something, Yes. <laughs> you yep. know, would you like me to show up? alive or dead you know i have to take an extra 10 minutes yeah. right yeah right and it's cool to hear from your perspective like like knowing that people are going to have these kind of things come up and giving them the space to be human rather than expecting them to be like a robot on this regimented schedule that you create for them 
And I'm not saying that you should have a pass to be late. Be on time to work. My policy is 10 minutes early is still late. I try to be there on time and with enough time to like settle in, get some coffee, you know, look at the fucking sunrise for a minute and then it's work time. Agreed. Yeah. But not everyone has that. Right. That same discipline or, or thought process. And it comes back to that original conversation, man. It doesn't mean that they're wrong. You know, it means that they operate differently. And I think we're all beautiful in our own sense. And, um, you know, some people I, I work with are amazing at their job, amazing at what, what they do and how, you know, how they talk to people. They're fucking late all the time, you know? And like, for me though, you know, I think that you have flaws with people, you have benefits with people and someone who is going to show up and while they're there, they kick ass at their job, but they're late 10 minutes every other day. Let them be late, man. While they're there, they kick ass, dude. You know, um, I just, I think that that uh, micromanaging piece that again, that ownership, people feel they have ownership over their employees is just so toxic to any workplace. And uh, I think it's a cultural thing and I think it needs to be destroyed. And, you know, my hope is I have a lot of individuals who work for me and in various different companies and positions. And my just hope is that if I can treat them well, one day, either they're going to start a business of their own and they're going to know how to treat their people, right. Or they're going to go and they're going to move on to a different job. And they're, you know, when their boss yells at them, they're going to be like, you can't talk to me like that. Yeah. (laughs) You you don't get to talk to me like that. Yeah. You know, I have, I have a a girl who's been working for us. I think she's, she just had her 19th birthday. I think she started working for us when she was 16 though. So she has no other experience at any other job. Mm -hmm. And I have so much faith and love that I know one day she's going to leave because everyone inevitably is going to right and um that day when she leaves she's going to go to another job and know how her employer should be treating she's going to have a gauge right and a standard of how she should be treated be like kevin never used to do this to me and be like yeah it's because it's wrong you know yeah i love that you're giving people the right tools oh yeah Uh, it's like an abusive relationship. You know what I mean? <laughs> Unless you've had a good one, you don't know what a bad one is. So. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, I, to your point, there's so many people who are always in a, these abusive relationships with their workplace. And so they just assume that that's how you're treated at work. I felt right. like that's, I think that's how I thought about work for a really long time. And mm-hmm. with me and my mom talking about the job that she has under you, like it's, she loves that job so much and it's because of the way she's treated and, and because of the value that she feels from her employers versus other people don't have that same kind of thing. You know, like right. I'm not going to name any names, but like her last three or four bosses, all of them have been that owner operator type and they are way too micromanaging and they think of you like a slave worker and they've mm-hmm. got the whip. And they're whipping you every day when things aren't going exactly as they need to. And it, it just doesn't work, man. It's never yeah. worked, you know. And um, you know, the the most powerful people were were leaders, not um disciplinarians. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I love that. Man, that's very cool. Well, hey, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Freemasons uh, just a little bit. Okay. I what love you got? This- I love this business talk and you've got my fucking gears turning right now. 
there's a little fire under my ass right here. Yeah, I love it, dude. You know, I'm I'm always down to talk about business. Yes, for hours too. Yeah, well, what do you what do you want to know about the Freemasons? So, first of all, I wanted to ask you, how did you get into the Freemasons? What was the the kind of path that led you there? Mm, I I really love Freemasonry in the sense that I think it is a um, well one. So let me start with this. One of the tenets of being a free Freemason is you have to believe in a higher power, right? Yep. And so um, it doesn't matter necessarily what the higher power is, but you do have to believe in in a higher power. And so I think one of the pieces of Freemasonry is um, I I think that my higher power definitely led me uh, to Freemasonry in itself. Um, Freemasons don't recruit anyone. Um, so they're not going out. We're not like, Hey, come join with us. You know, although if someone's interested, of course, we always want to share the light, you know, but, um, so, uh, I'd always kind of been interested in, in Freemasonry just because of the, uh, the lure to it, you know, it's it's kind of a call, like, what are they talking about in there? (laughs) Uh, so I've always kind of been interested in it. Um, you know, I met a really interesting man. His name was Michael Mole. He was a native American from, um, Oklahoma and he lived here in rifle and, um, you know, I just thought he was an interesting fellow, very deep thinker, um, you know, stuff like that. And then I found out he was a Freemason. Um, he invited me to, you know, just come have dinner, uh, normally how it is. And because I'd always kind of been interested, I was like, yeah, I'll do it, you know? And anyway, never did, never did until, um, uh, Michael was ended up moving away. He was moving out of the area and, um, I asked him, you know, I was helping him with some stuff and I asked him, you know, Hey, is there anything else that you need from me? And he's like, Kevin, I need you to go. I need you to go look in a Freemasonry. He's like, I just, you need to go. I I've talked to you enough. You need to go look into it. And yeah. I was like, okay. You know? So anyway, um, I went down there and I talked to those guys a little bit. Um, you know, they got pamphlets and stuff. I really hate their pamphlets, but, um, they're kind of cheesy. <laughs> they're super. Oh, I gave some to you, didn't yeah, I? Yeah. I have some pamphlets. I mean, dude, I just, I really don't like them, but, um, you know, it, it I think they were written like in the eighties or something like that. Right. And times were cheesy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the more, the more I like, uh, I looked into it, the more I was kind of attracted to it. And the thing that about Freemasonry is, you know, you have different degrees of work that you do. And so the more you get into Freemasonry, you always have the option to, to not know more. You know what I mean? Uh, and right. what I mean by that is as you're going through the degree work, you always have the opportunity to be like, you know what? I don't want to know more. I, I can leave, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll say, I'll say this, what got me into Freemasonry was walking through the door and meeting other Freemasons what kept me in Freemasonry is what I learned through, through my degree work in, uh, in a becoming a master Mason. Right. That's very cool. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say oh, real quick that um, we just want to make it known that me and Cameron do not believe that the second you walk through the door and become a Mason, you're doing rituals and trying to run the world. We know that's not how it works. We right. just like to uh, poke at conspiracies a little bit. Yes. Oh, <laughs> no, dude, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I haven't looked into all the Freemason conspiracies, but I know, like, I know there's a lot out there. Yeah. And um, I just like to, I'd like to publicly throw this out there since you gave me a voice on your podcast. Yeah. Everyone says that Freemasons rule the world and like the finances, 
But you guys, my lodge was built in 1908. And the last two lodges we had uh, were, you, it was so cold in the lodge room because we can't afford to fix our furnace. <laughs> you could literally see your breath. You know wow. what I mean? Like, um, so when I hear people say like Freemasons are collecting all the world's money and they're going to do something, I'm like, if they are, man, I promise you it's not getting to my lodge. Yeah, we're not getting we're a cold, piece of that. dude. You know, like, like we're doing the work. So, right. Yeah. Right. That's very cool. And you very made cool. the point about like what initially got you into it was just going in and meeting the the masons and the members and i remember my first time into the rifle lodge we like were playing pool down yeah. there in the main room with the grandmaster and like that was just it was such a cool hang like it was a fun time yeah. like i <laughs> i ran and told everybody i was like shit i might be a mason i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know it's a fraternity you know and um a lot of people don't like that that term because it is a men only um fraternity right, right. um and a lot of people don't uh, of course you know uh, we all support you know women's rights um all the masons i know support women's rights but i do think that men especially have a standard that we're we're kind of expected to uphold of um being being strong and manly and not showing emotion and not having you know opinions or not being able to voice our opinions um on certain matters and it's like i i feel that the feminine body of our of our society has much more opportunity to speak freely in that sense right um and so being within the lodge with my brothers i mean i have the ability to you know, learn and grow and express myself emotionally, have support by other uh, masculine bodies of our society to say, you know, like, this is what, you know, this is what it is to be a man. This is what it is to be honorable and upright and carry yourself right. with integrity, you know? And that's the piece of Freemasonry I think people have trouble grasping is it's a fraternity designed to take good men and make them better. And right. the way we make them better is enforcing morals and values to ensure that you're an upright, honorable member of, of this coexistence, of this brotherhood, you know, right. the, the brotherhood of man. I love that. Very cool. Very cool. I love that a lot. Uh, so you said you're a master mason at this point. Is That's the third degree, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have a, the first degree is known as an entered apprentice. Um, and so that's kind of when you go, you know, you like get entered as an mm -hmm. apprentice, right? Um, and then so each degree, you kind of work up and learn different teachings. And then once you're a master mason, a third degree mason, you're considered to be on the level with all master masons. So, you know, a lot of people say uh, we're on the 30, 33rd episode, right? Right. Um, and we've all heard of the 30, the 33rd mason right yeah. um so anything past that third degree is additional um degree work that you do as a master mason to further yourself in the craft of masonry right and so there's different directions that you can take in the teachings and the learnings of masonry um you know i've known i've heard that the shriners um if you know of the shriners hospitals or or anything mm -hmm. like that um they are a dying sector of masonry I suspect because people don't like clowns as much anymore. Right. 
Um, but I'm, you know, I'm looking closer into being, uh, you know, a Shriner because of, um, the good that the Shriners do through, um, through their work for, I mean, quite honestly for the world, you know, and, um, where was I going with this? So yeah, every de degree work you, you make after being a third degree master Mason is just to advance yourself in the craft. Uh, however, in masonry, a 33rd degree Mason and a third degree Mason are on, on the level. We're considered to be the, the same. We all have the basic teachings of, of masonry. Right. Okay. I didn't know that. That's very cool. Yeah. So you have, yeah, I mean, you have like the Knights Templar, like all that cool stuff, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, but masonry itself is, you know, it's a system of teachings and rituals. We do do rituals. They're nothing weird. We leave our goats at home. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's, it's teachings and rituals to, um, make sure that our members are upright, um, standing good members of, of society and representations of ourselves as Oh, you froze up just a bit. Little lag, little lag. Technical difficulty. <laughs> Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We're seeing a little technical difficulties. Wonder if his phone died. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe. Well, in the meantime, while we're waiting for him to get back, I want to talk about the Shriners for a second. Yeah. Because... What's interesting about the Shriners, Avery, do you remember the Strawberry Days parades? Yeah. You remember those dudes that would, they like had little clown outfits and yeah. it was like weird hats and they'd drive around in the tiny cars? In the tiny car, yeah. Those are the Shriners. Okay. Um, and I just thought that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> oh, no. All right. I'm getting right back in here. Ladies and gentlemen, stand by. <sighs> That's very interesting. Yeah. And I love the, the terminology on the level. Yeah. You, know, you hear that a lot when in like conversations with Freemasons. Do you remember, I think it was the breakfast club when Ye was going off being all like, he was just talking crazy. Yeah. And then the dude was like, Hey, you're not on your level, bro. Yeah. And he was like basically checking him like, Hey, stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought oh, that yeah. was very cool. Oh bummer. I hope I hope he's all right. Let me shoot him a text really quick. Yeah. I'm not sure if he'll be able to just rejoin or if you'll have to reinvite him. <laughs> the Masons cut our feed. He was exposing yeah. too many secrets. <laughs> Dude for real. Nah, yeah. It it would definitely be intriguing to just, like, any outsider, like, you pretty much go and join the fucking Justice League, you know? Yeah. Go and help people. Right, and it's, it sounds like it's all for just the betterment of yourself and the betterment of your community. Yeah. And that's, those are the things that I really like about it. Yeah. Oh, he had a power <laughs> outage and his internet shut off. Gotcha. Then, you know, you reach that certain degree where you got to pledge your servitude and allegiance to Satan. Yeah. I'm just kidding, Kevin. If you end <laughs> you, up listening to this. Goof. He's I'm not kidding, goof. but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, if it doesn't pop back up, this was awesome. Yes. And tell him that I was very pleasantly surprised with this conversation. I love when you don't know what you're going to get, and then you get a guy like him. It's really fun. He's awesome. Really fun. He's such a cool guy, and he's so inspiring the way he lives his life. Yeah. And just how business-oriented, but also, like, the balance between business and family and, like, mental health and all of it. It's all in balance, on on the level, if you will, you know? And I love it. Nice. He's back. Cool. I love it. Awesome. Howdy. Welcome back. Sorry about that. No, no yeah, we had sorry. A... You were exposed we're kind to of too a storm many over here. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. The Masons cut our feet. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, well, I wanted, so I, I kind of mentioned before we came on that, um, there was a open lot. We just had our, our annual elections in an open lodge, um, you know, ceremony, this last bit. And so I have something from my clear text that I think the biggest piece of Freemasonry people are scared of is, um, the secret. Why, like, why are you, if, if it's all good, why do you guys have secrets? Right. Right. And, um, if you're cool with it, I wanted to read from my clear text. This is what is actually said in the um, in the installation open lodge ceremony, and I think it really hits um, the core of why secret uh, why Freemasonry is kept secrets in our in our teachings. Would you guys like to hear it? Very much Please. so. I would love that. Um, so the leading objects of our institution are to uh, inculate sound morality. And so we're talking here, we're talking about the Holy Bible, the square, the compass, and the candles, the altar, mm-hmm. how we place our, our ceremony. That's the objects of our institution. Uh, are there to make sound morality, to make men honest and upright, true to their God and faithful to their country, and to unite them by the strong bon- bonds of charity, friendship, and brotherly love. Great care, therefore, should be taken in the admission of members, lest by the introduction of bad material to the institution, it should be corrupted. It should be uh, constantly borne in mind that the respectability and usefulness of a lodge do not consist in the number, but in the character of its members. It is better that no workman be added to the role than ever one unworthy foot allowed to cross the threshold of the lodge. The uninitiated judge masonry by the conduct of its individual members. You should be as careful of the reputation of your lodge as that of your family. And as you would admit none to the society of the latter whose society is bad, so should you carefully exclude such from the former. Wow. So um, I know I'm like just like throwing stuff out there, but. No, I get it. Yeah, if we break that down, right? And and the way I like to put it is, you know, if something is is beautiful and sacred, you guard you guard it, right? Mm-hmm. And if you just give access, it has the ability to be uh corrupted and bastardized by by people who don't align with your same thoughts or beliefs, right? right. And um so so that's what we that's what the secrets of Freemasonry come from. Um and anyone out there who's looking to be uh be a, be a Freemason or look more into Freemasonry. I can tell you, um, again, I'm a master Mason. 
there's there's stuff that is gonna have you nervous and guessing while you're going going through it you know right but it's nothing that's harmful it's nothing that's unsafe um it's nothing that is gonna you know make you a devil worshiper unless you're already a devil worshiper um because in freemasonry you're allowed to have whatever higher power you choose you know and um we don't talk about politics in freemasonry we don't talk about religion within our lodge um we're we're there to help each other grow as men and be upright moral characters i mean it's that's really all it is right that's amazing that's interesting i I don't know if you can tell this, but are there any like Satan worshipers or devil worshipers in your lodge or that's probably something you wouldn't even find out about somebody? I mean, it, it depends on who you ask. I'm sure, I'm sure you'd find out about it. Um, you know, so, uh, it depends on who thinks what is Satan, Satanist, you know, um, right. you know, I, I myself, um, I, I myself align with pagan beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so my, you know, my higher powers are, um, you know, the uh, mother sky and father earth. So, you know, if you went to certain, I'll just say, if you went to certain Christians, you know, they may say that I am a Satan worshiper, which um, in my mind, you have to believe in Satan to be a Satan worshiper. Right. right? So, I mean, I would make the argument that I'm not, but they, they may call me that, you know Um, I do know though, that the Catholic church has, um, what is that where they, they X out a certain, certain thing. Right. Um, so they, they said, if you're part of the Catholic church, you cannot be a Freemason and they've launched a a campaign against Freemasonry saying, you know, um, you can't be a Freemason because Freemasons are, um, you know, devil worshipers. I think they, I personally think they did it because we're, we're free thinkers, Right. right. Um, we have a society outside of their commands that, you know, we say we're doing, you know, we're doing this or that. Um, and if it doesn't align with the, the church beliefs, it, then it's shunned, you know? Yeah. Um, free thinkers are the biggest danger to Catholicism, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, we look at why a lot of people say that like, oh, well, you know, if there isn't more going on, then why are so, so many successful people or why were so many of the uh, country's founders Freemasons? And that's the other one that I just find totally comical, dude, because if you have a group of men who are constantly trying to better themselves, become morally um, just in their actions and help one another and grow and become better like men, like guys, of course, you're going to be successful. Right. Right. Like, right. I'm like, that's not a mystery. Like, you know, of course, they're going to be better. They're right. working at it constantly, you know? Right. And, um, so maybe, maybe they're not successful because they're, you know, they're Freemasons, maybe they're Freemasons and that's what makes them successful. Right. Like, right. Right. I don't know. Right. Good point. And I think a lot of the people that would have like, that draw those connections, like, Oh, all the Freemason, like founding fathers, they think they're in league with some dark force that essentially gave them the power to like, you know, gave them the ritualistic power to start a country like that and have it be so successful. And I think absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, knowing the rituals of Freemason, like we always talk about the dollar bill, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the one that always comes up with Freemasonry. Um, a lot of the symbols on our American currency are Masonic symbols, you know, 
Um, and uh, as a Freemason, I can look with, at those symbols and I know what they mean. I've been through the ritual, you know, mm-hmm. um, and of course I can't share, share that. Right. However, what I can say is that the meaning behind them are, are pure in the sense that if you know the secrets and you look at those symbols, it gives you honor and morality and, you know, a sense of up, of upright and justice. And so the people who are designing those, those dollar bills, of course, they're going to put those fucking symbols on the dollar bill, dude. Right. Like that's what they want their money to represent, you know? And so it's not that the Freemasons are controlling that money, but it is like when they're generating those images, they're saying, I know what this means and I'm going to use that image so that when people know these teaching teachings, when they understand these symbols, they can look at those and say, this is what that means, you know? Right. And, um, I, I, it's super interesting stuff. I mean, we're talking, you know, that, uh, Da Vinci code kind of, kind of level of, of learning and Freemasonry. And if you like solving puzzles, man, it's, it's a fun one for sure. Yes. Yes. I would say, like in the conspiracy realm that we've dived into one of the most interesting parts of it is all the symbolism that you find and Mm -hmm. just the different meanings of things like you know it's hard to go to like a government building nowadays and not notice all the different symbolism they have all over the place and and not that that's a bad thing it's just cool to see like wow like i've missed this and without the teachings it goes right over your head and it's just like oh there's a pyramid there's an eye (laughs) at the top of the pyramid but then you know you understand the symbolism or you go through the ritual and it gives you this deeper understanding of what that symbol means and why it's used. And it kind of changes the way you look at things. Exactly. Exactly. And so when we look at, you know, um, Freemasonry dates back to uh, the time of, of um, King Solomon, the the construction of King Solomon's temple. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and during this time we're, we're talking about, you know, when you're trading throughout the world, um, your language isn't the same. Your writing isn't the same. And we're talking about people who ventured thousands of miles away from home to make trades with other individuals. Right. And without knowing that person's without having a translator, knowing that person's language or, uh, anything like that, how can we communicate with one another? And we can do that through symbolism, symbolism, right? Yeah. Just like when you're talking about walking into the bank and you see certain things or certain symbols, you know, you know, you might not know what, um, a column symbol is the same as I know what a column symbol is, Mm -hmm. but you can look at that column and know that columns are used in places of authority and, um, you know, upright, uh, morality or, you know, places where people gather to, you know, exchange ideas or currencies. Right. And so when you look at the major, um, you know, economic powers of the world, or the temples that have been built in the world, what do they have around all of those temples? They have columns, right? right. Yeah. People from, from different areas can visit those, those places and say, I don't know what that word on the side of the building says, but I know this is a column, so I bet it's the bank. Right. Right? Like, right. And, and same with I, the cross symbol. You can go anywhere in the world, and you might not know what that pointy building is, but it's got a cross at the top, so you know that's where they go and worship. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I know, I know who they worship. Right. Right. And, um, I, that may mean I want to go there. It might mean I want to stay away from there, you know, the symbol is what tells you what it is. And so 
all of Masonic teachings, you know, a lot of it is written, um, you know, in, in old English. So a lot of it's kind of hard to, to decipher. Similar um, to the Bible, I'm sure. Yeah. It's, and it's all word of mouth teaching. Um, so you have to know a Mason to teach, teach you the, the Masons of the next. Right. Um, yeah. but eventually after you become a master Mason, you receive a clear text and you can dive into it a little bit deeper. Um, but you know, in, it's all taught in symbolism for that exact purpose. So that way, um, I heard one Masonic lecture, you know, and they spoke about, um, this, the reason that we use symbolism is so that one day, if all society were to collapse, if everything that we know, even as Americans were, were to be destroyed, we can carry on our Masonic traditions through the symbolism that was used. Right. right? And, and, uh, I think that's, I think it's a really cool way to look at it like that. Uh, well, that's exactly what happened. No. Yes. Yeah. That's why we know all we do about the Egyptians is because our exactly. pictures that yeah. they etched. Right. I'm sure they had a language, spoken language, and I'm sure they had writing, but it's all the pictorials and the hieroglyphs that, that really tell the story and have carried through the ages. Very uh -oh. cool. Did we lose them again? <laughs> Boy, the Masons are. I don't know if I'm still on there or not. Yep, oh, you're here. You're here. You're back. <laughs> we're too much Freemasonry too, talk, man. Say, yeah. We're delving too deep. Yeah. We're like, we're digging, we're digging dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's so interesting. I'm, I'm considering it quite seriously. I think I want to try and join the lodge here in the springs. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how I would go about it. Do I just walk in there? So, uh, you need to know, you need to know a, a fellow Freemason, um, for a period of, uh, I think it depends on the lodge. Our lodge is six months. A lot of lodges are a year. Okay. Um, some, some lodges like a, a Colorado Springs lodge may take a vouch. Like, so you can come to me and be like, well, I know Kevin Atchison of, uh, rifle lodge One Twenty Nine, and he's willing to speak to my moral character. Right. And they may, they may, uh, allow me to sign a p petition, a lot of lodges, you need to know a member of that specific lodge. Right. Um, you know, so there's a piece, but, you know, I'm looking to uh, move to the Manitou Springs area here um, in August of, of 2026. Um, awesome. And uh, Manitou does not have a lodge of their own. So I will most likely become a member of the uh, Colorado Springs Lodge as well. Yeah. Um, not that I think you should wait two years if you're into it, but um you know, that's kind of the process that goes along. And, um, yeah, you just have to know, a you have to know a master Mason. Uh, if you don't know a master Mason, they have to get to know you for right. a certain period of time. After that, what happens is they do an investigation. So we actually do just, it's some old school sleuthing, you know, we ask around who's Cameron, what's he right. about, you know, is he trying to, you know, is he a good moral character? Again, uh, we can't get, we don't want to give access to who, anyone who isn't, um, uh, what is it, uh, worthy of, of our teachings and worthy to be a brother Mason, you know? Right. Which we do our, sense. yeah, we do our investigation. We make sure that you're a, you know, a good fit for, uh, for masonry in itself. And then after that, you come in as the, um, that entered apprentice step. And, um, that's when the ceremonies kind of start, start beginning. Mm -hmm. And then, um, from there, that's, that's the wild ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's when stuff starts getting really, really weird, really quick. So yes. and very interesting. 
I just know with the research I've done on my own and just trying to delve into and not like specifically masonry, but just symbolism as a whole and just trying to understand why different symbols are used and, you know, what these different like things like an owl, what that represents and what kind of deity that's representing and just all these different things. And then you start to learn more about it and then you see it everywhere and it just it broadens your your scope of things. And I, I feel like masonry is like the fast pass to something like that. Yeah, I mean, the thing that really caught me with masonry and symbolism and something that I I learned a lot with the brothers in my lodge is that, you know, it's taught through symbolism. And the beautiful thing about symbolism is it's not the same as literature in the sense that literature can say, you know, here's this object and it means X, Y, and Z. But when you're taught through symbolism, it just says, here's this object and it's in relation to whatever the story is. Right. And then you have the ability to create what that meaning of that object is to, to yourself. Yes. And I think the reason that they teach masonry in the form of symbolism is because there is no, there's no specific teaching that every single person should follow. We're free masons. We're free thinkers. Right. Yep. And so my symbol and what I see and what I know it to be may have a different meaning to my soul and my path than, than my brother Mason. Right. Yeah. And it's all about your own discernment and kind of deciding what it means to you and how you can like, how you can build your bigger picture the easiest way. Cause when somebody, and I've right. noticed this with religion, specifically going to church, they will tell you what it means. Here's what it says. Here's what it means. And they don't leave you much room for your own discernment and like, and in a lot of cases, they kind of push back against your own interpretations. They're like, no, that's not what it means. Not what it means. Right. Yes. Yep. And I think and it's it, very cool. It's problematic. I mean, it's really one of the issues that I have with organized religion is that uh, it doesn't allow for free thought uh, a lot of the times. I think it was designed to have free thought. But I think when you put um, a man in the shoes of a god, he's going to tell you what to think and not how to think. Right. right? And, and I think that's really problematic to society. And I'll say, I think one of the reasons that Freemasonry was uh, formed and founded was to ensure that people have the ability to think for themselves, even, um, even in sight of oppression. Right. Yeah. I love that. That's so interesting. Avery, do you run into that a lot? Because I know you you and your family are christian and yeah um like i've always said i do not support church i don't like the idea of church i think if you like it that's fine but i think it's kind of a front and people become just obsessed with the idea of like if you're not going to church and doing your deeds you're not a good christian i do not believe that at all i haven't been to church and i i don't know how long um and i love I love the idea of being a free thinking Christian because that's exactly what I am. You right. know, I have right. my own way of looking at it and I don't take it nearly as deep as they do in the sense of like, you know, trying to be a good person and all that stuff. Um, I just based upon what I believe personally is I just believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And I do think he's the one true God and, that's all there is to it for me. 
Right. I don't judge people and think that they're not proper Christians or anything like that. So no, I don't think any of us are. The way that it's set up, you're, you're kind of fucked from the beginning, which is yeah. why Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for your sins. Right. So in, I, I'm right there with you. Sinners. I'm right there with you. I'm not a fan of church. I never got good vibes from church. The community's okay, I guess. But like I said, it just becomes a judging fest. Right. And yeah, so that's yeah. my thoughts. Yeah. Judge not lest ye be judged. Yeah, I mean, over the last, uh, I'd say over the last couple of years, I've, I've met some, um, I've met some really great Christians. And um, the reason that I consider them great Christians is because they live that life uh, philosophy. They do go to church. I mean, you know, um, one of the individuals I mentioned, she uh, is at church every Sunday. Her husband is a pastor. She's, you know, um, but as far as speaking the truth to God, I mean, you can see that she's confident just as you're saying, like, I believe in Jesus. I believe I'm going to heaven. I believe he's the true God and I love you. And I hope to see you there, but this is your, you know, you have to create that, that peace with, with your God. And it's none of my business. I'm not going to love you any less, you know? And I'm like, I'm like that to me is what Christianity is supposed, you know, supposed to be. That's what the the teaching I've always understood it as. But I think so many people are turned away from the the Christian religion simply for exactly what you're saying of like, wait, so if I jerk off, I'm going to hell. Right. You know? I'm like, what? Like, no, I'm not, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like homeboy, homeboy hung for three days. I'm pretty sure he can look away from me yanking my noodle. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and you're exactly right and just a side note that's another misconception it's like that's old testament everybody old <laughs> testament what's the point yeah. of jesus right you know right? come yeah. on now yeah. it's funny and people like to forget that jesus some of his best friends were like prostitutes and oh yeah like oh, dude the salt of the earth sinners you know? and what did he do though what did he do he loved them you know unconditionally yeah. 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 And I, th- and, I think uh, that's the main goal with Christianity is trying to live like Christ and right. like just embody all the best things about what he had to bring to this earth. Yeah. Like one of my coolest things that I've heard is that like that Jesus is just like a like a magician guru, like this dude who is just so enlightened and so powerful and basically just came back to share this love. He like figured it out early. And was like, oh, shit, I need to share this with the whole world. Yeah. Everybody I, needs to live like this. And not in like a live like this or or you're or going to hell. Yeah. Or it's like, this is just how I'm going to live. I encourage you to live the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a, I had a uh, kind of a look into, you know, a thought with the um, the, the Bible once. And, and I always think about it kind of like as a, like a, as an instruction manual. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's not so much like a live this way or you'll be, you know, you'll go to hell, but it's almost like a, if by not living this way, you're already living in hell. Right. Yes. And, and I started looking at it that way. And I was like, what if, what if, you know, this isn't, wasn't about the afterlife, but it's about the life that we're living right now, because the, you know, the concept of the Bible itself, they're good ideas. You know what I mean? 100%. But, some of the stuff in it, I kind of look and I'm like, I don't, you know, 
I don't know if maybe I believe this part, part of it or whatever else, but like love thy neighbor. Like, yeah, like I'm down with that. Yeah. Like don't yeah. beat on your wife. Yeah. Don't yeah, kill anybody. Okay, cool. You know? Yeah. And, but then there's the piece to it. Whereas if you are doing these sins, these mortal sins in your current life, how's your life going to be? And it's going to be hellish. Right. And then I think about the time in which they were, which the Bible was written. Right. And they don't, they don't write like we write. You know yeah. what I mean? How do they write? They write in symbols, dude. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so I was always like, I was like, Jesus walked on water. Right. And, and, uh, Avery, I, I'm not putting you down in, in oh, any way, please, no. please don't. But I'm like, what if he didn't physically walk on water, but the way in which he carried himself was as though he was walking on water and to be like Jesus, you too should carry yourself as though you are walking on water. Right. Right. Yeah. Did he physically give his blood and, and body or was it that he was so selfless that he would give, giveth even his blood and his body, right? Right, totally. And if you were to live that way and live righteously in that way, don't you think you would live a better life? Yes, 100%. Yeah. And when I started looking at the, uh, and so to wrap this back into Freemasonry, you know, in my lodge, we use the Holy Bible as our, our, our scripture of light, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so in all of our ceremonies, and I really had a big beef with it at first, um, because of my difference in, in religious views, um, because I didn't want that to be my book of light, you know? Yes. Um, but it's, it's more of, you know, the book is a symbol in itself, right? And that symbol is the higher power, right? And, uh, you have to have belief in a higher power, which I do. And the more that I really started looking through the Bible, the more I started learning, like, you know, I don't maybe don't believe with a lot of this, but there's certain things, um, like, like what I just described that I can align myself with this, uh, with this book. And if I carry myself in the sense that Christians, you know, teach their carrying themselves, I'm like, well, all of a sudden guys, we see eye to eye, you know what I mean? And, um, I, I, I think that that's really important when looking at, at any religion is like, what, but what do we have in common? Exactly. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And that's the most enlightened way to go about it is to see the common ground or the commonality in all of the teachings. You yeah. Know? I feel like it would be so interesting to do like a, like a world religion study class, just like do like a night school class of all the world religions, just so you can understand what they're saying. Cause I feel like a lot of the hatred comes is bred out of ignorance. You know, it's like people have never read the Quran or have never read the Torah and not saying either of them, specifically the Quran. They're not they're not telling you very good things, but there's common ground you can find. Right. And you got to <laughs> separate the wheat from the chaff. Yep. Absolutely. Man, I love that. And the Bible, I'm I'm reading my way through the Bible slowly. I've told myself I was going to do it for a long time, and I'm finally starting to pick it up and read through it. I got like a little daily that I'm working through. Nice. It gives you like a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New Testament, and some Proverbs. And a lot of it seems like allegory. Like it's like a, like a, what did they call it? A fable where there's a moral at the end of it. Right. You know, like the tortoise and the hare is yep. like the first fable I can think of. Yep. You know, and it's like, there wasn't really a fucking tortoise that raced a hare and the hare stopped and took a nap and 
but it teaches you this lesson in that story. Mm -hmm. And I think yep. that's very interesting. And people throw the baby out with the bathwater because they don't want to, maybe because they have this idea about religion rather than uh, like organized religion and church rather than just the book. You know, and it's like, have you actually read the book? Do you know what's inside of it and what it's actually trying to say to you rather than what the priest tells you it's saying to you? Yeah. You know, are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love that. This is such a, an enlightening conversation. Yeah. This is the kind of was, shit um, I live for. Yeah, this was great. Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised to have an awesome conversation with you, Kevin. So thank you for Wait, you us. were surprised? You weren't expecting it? <laughs> well, you never know what you're going to yeah, get, Yeah, you never man. know what you're getting into. I, yeah, no, I feel that. Yeah, I knew what we were getting into. You're <laughs> such a cool dude and such yeah. a, a stand-up person in your community. And I'm sure you were that way prior to being a Mason, but I'm sure that Mason has, like, you know, you were like a raw piece of marble. And raw marble's cool, but they've chiseled out the picture that you're going to be through this, you know, moral structure. And well, you know – it's who I was before, but the thing I like about masonry is I'm surrounded by individuals who, um, who want the same thing I want, mm -hmm. you know, and that it's nice to have that support and community. I think yeah. that's the biggest piece of masonry. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Kevin, I feel so enlightened now. I'm going to have to go <laughs> fucking take a nap to, <laughs> to download all this through my cryptic dreams. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate you coming on with us. Absolutely. Uh, guys, I think it's awesome that you're doing this uh, this podcast and keep it up. Congrats on your 33rd uh, episode. Hey, thank you. How long has it taken you guys to do 33 episodes? Um, a while. Let me see. I can pull up the first episode on my RSS yeah. feed here. Um, I want to say it was like at least a year ago. It had to have been, yeah, because I know you and I were chatting like what midsummer. Yes. Um. No. Yeah. Our first episode was uploaded in March of 2023. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Almost. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. we're coming up on a year here pretty quick. We yeah. Took a, well, we took a little hiatus over the holidays. Um, yeah. Just but shit, I mean, 33 shit. episodes in, you know, under a year. That's that's pretty good, man. You guys are hard at work at it. So. Yeah. Been fun. Well, and it's we've had, uh, that we love. <laughs> we've had it's, some really interesting guests on too. It's a lot yes. of fun. The guests yeah. are yeah. make it. I feel like we started out strong with what yeah. we were doing, but pretty quickly we realized we're like we're gonna have to get some guests on. Yeah. So like, yeah. to really enlighten it. And for me personally, I wanted to take this on just to learn more as a whole and better my knowledge and expand my scope of things. And yeah. there's only so much you can do expanding your scope when you're just chatting with your buddy versus having other people with different perspectives and they're not always perspectives that you agree with, but being able to have an open mind and just listen to what they have to say. Yeah. You know, well, Cam, you better watch out, dude. You're sounding a whole lot like a Freemason over there. You're like having <laughs> well, with people with other ideas. Weird. <laughs> <Great. laughs> uh Oh, don't let Avery hear that. No, <laughs> uh... I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's cool, dude. Thanks for having me on, you guys. It's been a lot of fun. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm always around uh, if you guys ever want to chat business or anything else, right? Cool. Yes, yes, definitely we'll have to do that. Maybe we'll start a business podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude.
Awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us and just enlighten us a little bit about what Freemasonry is and probably, you know, end some stigma as well. Cause I think a lot of people, ourselves included, like make up our mind about Freemasonry before you have the opportunity to even chat with a Freemason. You listen to right. all these YouTube videos that, you know, that blast it and it's, you know, and there's a lot of propaganda on the internet, believe it or right. not. Yeah. Yeah. No, not on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Only true things on the internet. <laughs> Only the truth on that. Oh Lord. But yeah, this is this was great, man. I really appreciate it. Yep. And absolutely, guys. Yeah. We'll have to have you back on. We'll do a little part two. Yep. That'll be yep, great. Yep. I love it. Well, awesome. ladies and gentlemen, thank you for sticking with us to the very end. You guys are stewards of the land, listening to us ramble. And you guys know what to do. Like and subscribe. Wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever, so you get the notifications when a new episode's coming out. Uh, slap us five stars on there because it helps the algorithm reach other people. And write a review. Let us know what you think, unless it's mean. I don't need your mean words. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. But leave a mean, leave a mean one, too. I'll read them. All right, Avery will yeah. read the mean ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I all love right, it. guys. You guys have, a, have a great weekend, all right? Thank you so much.